Welcome to the It Is Better To Know podcast. This is Anne. I'm Cecilia. And I'm Valerie. This is a podcast where we use our expertise as pharmacists to break down relevant health topics and make them easier for you to understand. Now let's get started. You got me curious. Hi, hi, hi. It's your favorite time of the month again, our monthly episode. Welcome back to It Is Better To Know, BTK Army. We always look forward to conversing with you again. And hey there to my favorite co-hosts, Valerie and Anne. Hi, everybody. Hey, and when you said that it's your favorite time of the month, no, it is not that one. It is not Shark that's, Week. That's not my favorite time. That's my no, exactly. least favorite time, actually. That's right. Just, I'm still actually. It is my sharp week, so I guess yeah. <gasps> Mine too. I. Oh, really? TMI. TMI. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> TMI for the male listeners. That's a different topic. We have many. For yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so for our new listeners, uh, don't let that turn you away from listening. <laughs> uh, I promise you'll like what you hear. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to us, and make sure you leave a review and rating if you can. That's right. And follow us on our social media accounts. So Anne's been a little bit busy lately, but I don't know if you guys noticed, but she's been coming out full fury with all of these TikTok videos and they are <laughs> hilarious. So I follow us them. on Instagram at it is better to know to watch her reels. Uh, they make me laugh every time. Sometimes I rewatch them like three times in a row. And me too. Not it's lie. so addictive. So They're you guys so like the view of them making my number goes up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we weren't supposed to let her know that. But I really do need that laughter in my life. I don't know about you guys. But honestly, if there's one word to describe how I feel these days, it would be tired, exhausted. Totally. I, I feel the same, Ashley. Yeah. My eyes right now, they have sleep on them. Oh, no, no. They don't have sleep on them. They feel sleepy, but I'm awake. Like but I'm not awake at the same time. Yeah. They're heavy. Right? I'm exhausted all of the time. I was actually at the dentist earlier today and then I started closing my eyes and I was like, oh my God, I could probably fall asleep right now. And they would probably be quite uh, freaked out because I don't think they have people <laughs> fall asleep when, you know, they're like cleaning your teeth. So, But that's how tired I, I am. So. I, I feel like that happens pretty... all the time. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Oh, it's not very relaxing though. Like a lot of people I know like really hate the dentist. But I, I, I know yeah. my mom is like one of those people who can sleep anywhere. So she has fallen asleep at the dentist before. So, but I, I don't, but that's how tired I was. I was just like, I feel like I could fall asleep, even though, you know, they're kind of like doing stuff in your mouth and it's not very comfortable. Anyways, but mm -hmm. I don't think this is a new thing for me because uh, back when I was in school or when I was, uh, you know, well, I guess I am working still. <laughs> it always just tends to tire me out and I'm really starting to feel the exhaustion lately. Have you guys been feeling kind of the same or how have you two been coping? Like I've been working so hard in the last few months that I find myself don't even know what time of the week or what day of the week it is anymore. It's like my whole life is resolved around work now. Yeah, same. Oh, it revolves around work constantly, hey? Yeah, I know. I I think I'm a little bit different in the sense that my line of work is, it was a, it's, it's not as clinically focused at this time since I'm doing project work basically but there were lots of deadlines that I was having to meet and a lot of um, pr 
pro- mini projects within a bigger project. So it was very tiring, but s- still rewarding. Um, but that's still but stressful, definitely, right? It's not. It is. It does have its stress in its own way, though. Exactly. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I totally know what Anne means. Like, I don't know what day of the week it is. Um, like, often I really, I sometimes I even have to think about what year it is because I'm like, is it still 2020? <laughs> is it 2021? Is it 2022? I'm confused. I don't know. Like, when you're checking expiries of drugs, I'm like, oh, is that expired? Wait, what year is it? Wait, what month is no, it? <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> have to really, have to really think uh, about that one. I think COVID has really done a number on us, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah completely. To sum, sum I this mean, all out, I, I think uh, this is just, we're kind of describing like just uh, one phenomenon here, right? Burnout, especially in healthcare. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, burnout occurs in a lot of occupations, right? Like we talk about nurses, physicians, pharmacists, and, and even pharmacy staff. Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming more and more common now is, um, you know, burnout is definitely real. And everyone that I've talked to, it just... Right now, for some reason, I just feeling it. Maybe we've just been in the profession for so long, and and it's now it's just taking its, it's toll. finally taking up. a toll. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And also with the pandemic, it's actually probably made it worse, uh, especially on healthcare workers across the globe. And in, in Canada, we're actually dealing with the fourth wave of COVID right now, which has yet to peak still, and we're facing a lot of issues in healthcare, so like high caseloads mandatory overtime, understaffing, lack of breaks, lack of appreciation. So all of this is really leading to all-time low in morale. Like when you were saying like mandatory overtime, yeah. just remind me when someone was saying overtime, I don't even want to do regular time. <laughs> you should talk oh, to Valerie. Shoot. She's always number one to sign up for overtime. <laughs> really? Oh, you too, Cecilia. Yeah, you and actually, me both. Yeah, we do like our even overtime. Despite our burnout, we're still... <laughs> I know. Really? One I of the first... I remember we're like complaining about work and we're like, we're so tired. And then there's like an email that comes out and it's uh, our manager offering overtime and then Valerie and I are like, okay, we're, we'll do it. <laughs> it's like, wait, I thought we were just ta- talking about how tired we are. It's something about money. Yeah. It's like overtime. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it. It makes yeah. us lose our mind. I think so. You're that probably, probably contributes yet. to the burnout. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you know how there's like pre-diabetes and diabetes, maybe uh, Valerie and I are at pre-burnout. <laughs> Not not yeah. quite there, but uh, not quite getting there, there. Not quite there. If you 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 like money more, we do like money. Yeah. Well, back have to you the... guys felt this way though? Like since the pandemic started, like burnout. I definitely have. Burnout. I remember, yeah, I remember one time I was uh, working in clinic, and then my coworkers, you know, just. We, we saw each other and they were like, hey, how are you, Cecilia? And I was like, I just full on ranted to them. And I was like, I'm so burnt out. I'm so tired. <laughs> I need a vacation. And they were like, whoa, <laughs> it's like eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm not sure what inspired me to share all this because I'm usually the type of person who just goes, oh, I'm good. How are you? You know, your standard, uh, uh, you know, social like greetings. But I think I was really feeling the exhaustion at that point in time. And I hadn't had a vacation in a long time. I didn't have one to look forward to. So I think I, I was just like really needing an outlet to express it. So, yeah. I think you were probably yeah it must have been like emotionally spent or something to to let all of that out yeah because yeah you're usually I know I'm usually like you know happy and bubbly but that day I was just kind of like I'm so tired and I think it's because I've had like a few like hard hard weeks at work and 
it was just a, a little too much. And with COVID and everything, you're not like kind of doing your usual activities to let your stress out. So, or yeah, well, I wasn't anyway. So yeah, I, I mean, we work full time, right? And a lot of times our, our work is quite complex. So it can be both mentally and, and emotionally draining as well, because we deal a lot with patients. Yeah, I feel the same right now. I mean, I'm physically and mentally trained as well. Mm-hmm. And in a in a retail setting, especially when I work at a like extremely busy pharmacy, I don't I find myself now I don't even have time to take a break or even use the washroom. And then when I get home, like after a 12 hour shift, I'm so tired. And as you know, if you especially if you are a manager, um, then you constantly being texted and emails even on your days off. And I find that right now it's just like everything is a little bit too much and it's like messing up my personal life. So completely agreed. I'm like mentally and emotionally drained. I don't know what's worse, physically drained or mentally drained right now. Neither is good. That's why it's good to take vacations, (laughs) right? But yeah, I didn't I didn't have any vacation in a long time. And at that point, like I said before, I didn't really have one coming up. So I think that really made me feel burnt out beyond my breaking point. But hey, Anne, like you said, uh, you know, on your days off, you're constantly being texted or emailed. Is it your duty to respond to that? Or is it something that, you know, can wait until you actually get back to work? No, I, well, because I'm pretty new to the role, right? So right. Yeah, it's something that I has to um, get done. Oh, okay. And it's I like, see. and plus on top of everything else, it's just, you know, it was just too much. Like I just trying to be a pharmacist here. And to me, like a job is just to make sure that medications appropriateness and a role is to like cash interaction as well. And then when you're so mentally exhausted when you go to work and potentially this could lead to like dispensing errors, right? And mm-hmm. it's not just only affecting us, but it's also affecting the patients. This is like, you know, something that is not a fast food restaurant here where if you get the wrong order is a forgivable error. It's like, if we yeah, you out can't the wrong just, meds. You can't just swap it out and be like, here's a free order of fries or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you dispense something wrong and not catching it because you're so mentally exhausted, it could, you know, cause harm to the patients and and also like, you know, destroy your your self-worth or your self-esteem if something bad happens to that patient. Right. I definitely hear the urgency and the frustration in your voice when you're talking about all of this. So and 100% like the mental exhaustion, it is a real thing and we don't want to make errors that can actually harm patients. So this is why it's definitely an important topic to talk about burnout. And when we talk about burnout, I think most people think of feeling tired, drained, not having the will to go on with whatever it is that they are burned out with. And so that could involve work or school, family relationships. Sometimes the list kind of goes on. Yeah, I did take a look into a few articles that looked at burnout and tried to define it. And one article specifically looking at bur- looking at burnout in a work environment has um, the following definition. So it says that burnout is a job-related state which results from long-lasting, permanent work overload when short spells of recreation, for instance, during the weekend, are not effective to reduce exhaustion, vegetative symptoms, loss of efficiency, and depersonalization. 
that's a mouthful. But that actually really <laughs> spoke is. to me. Especially the short spells of recreation, not being able to reduce the burnout symptoms. So when I was researching this topic, I came across a definition in a publication from the Canadian Medical Association. And the definition comes from the Maslach Burnout Inventory Manual, which defines defines burnout as a psychological syndrome of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment. And did you know that according to the World Health Organization, burnout is classified as an occupational phenomenon, not as a medical condition? So yeah, no chance to apply for EI here. Not unless you quit. <laughs> well, Wait, I guess no, that's... if you quit, I don't think you can apply for I EI. Guess, yeah, I guess I would you have to oh, be not like even if you laid quit. off, right? Yeah. yeah, like you have to get laid off and most yeah, people might not want you to. <laughs> Dang. Okay, so, so you're hooked if you stay, is... you're hooked if you're going. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you just have to be really bad at your job and hope they lay you off. No, I don't think that's how it works, right? They're just fired. I don't think that would work either. Yeah, darn it. Okay, there's no hope. So what I'm hearing, no. <laughs> um, I hear some common themes here from some of these definitions. So I hear common themes of exhaustion, common themes of depersonalization, and a common theme of lack of work productivity or fulfillment. So I wanted to highlight each of these in, in greater detail. So exhaustion, I guess that's pretty self-explanatory. And a lot of times exhaustion is seen as the key element of burnout. And it might be the precursor to the other two elements of depersonalization and lack of personal accomplishment. And emotional exhaustion in particular is a really important component of burnout, where you work at a very demanding level and you become overextended and depleted of your emotional reserves. Could, could you expand on the term of depersonalization and what that actually means, Cecilia? Of course, Anne. Well, it means that you start to feel detached from your job. So you start to dehumanize your interactions with other people. So that, that can obviously be quite dangerous. So whether that be with patients or your coworkers or other staff, and basically to sum it up in a nutshell, you, you start to lose your compassion. It's like anti-sociable. A little bit. Sounds like you, for depersonalization, you become more negative, cynical, or more impersonal. And this kind of relates to the last element, which is the lack of work productivity and that feeling of fulfillment. When you lose your compassion, you also start to doubt the worth of what you're doing, right? Like you'll ask yourself, is what I'm actually doing making any difference at all? And since we're healthcare professionals, right, we expect, you know, other professionals in the healthcare field to be compassionate. But, you know, some days I find it I'm struggling to to be compassionate when it comes to certain patients. And also, <laughs> you don't have to or you don't have pride in your work anymore. And you start to look at your abilities in a negative light. So essentially, you become less effective overall. So why do you guys think that burnout happens to healthcare professionals? I don't know, but, you know, they trained you at school and they got you to believe that in the real world, you have all the time in the world to do all this clinical tasks. But then you graduate and you, they just throw you in there. And it's like, I find the real world is like completely different than than what that's, they teach you at school. That's so true. Remember how in school we were taught to do these like amazing documentation notes and you're right, like, mm -hmm. you know, two pages on like a simple 
like you know like something simple right and then you'll you follow up with every do, single patient exactly, yeah. like data <laughs> assessment plan and your plan is always i will follow up with this patient in three days by phone or or something like that and then you're like wow i don't have time to do that so yeah, then your like follow-up the changes is, yeah yeah it's unmanageable workflow like you have no time to do that Exactly. And the patient volumes are, and, you know, like script volumes is very high. So I, I guess it feels like you're just never able to finish the work, right? Like there's always a mountain of work awaiting you. And once you finish this mountain, there's the second mountain to go and, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Like there's no help coming. Like, uh, and you mentioned, um, you know, community pharmacy, usually there's no overlap. So it's not like you have another pharmacist to help you. It's uh, just one pharmacist doing all of the pharmacist duties and you're the only person capable of doing that, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, sometimes you get, you know, you people don't appreciate what you do. It's oh, like, yeah, for sure. You get yelled at by nurses, doctors, like the patients. Exactly. People like, think you're trying to, um, like you're a barrier for them getting their drugs, but you're really just trying to do your job and make sure that their medications are getting are right for them and that it's not harmful. I mean, we get paid six figures because they probably think that the job we're doing is not that easy, right? So, you know, people are thinking that pharmacists just read prescription and count pills. Like there's a lot going on behind the scenes. They corporations not going to pay us that big amount of money just to stand around and count pills. That's true. So that's a very good point. Yeah, I think it's just that yeah lack of uh, awareness of what we're actually doing, and they think that uh, well, we commented about this uh, in previous episodes about uh, how we don't appear busy behind the counter because it's right. very quiet, but we're actually multitasking so many things at once it's yeah. crazy um pharmacy is kind of also... like like don't you guys think pharmacy is kind of like uh like whack-a-mole like the game um in, <laughs> <Yes>. in arcades because <laughs> you're like yeah. okay what's what's up next okay i got that one okay next <laughs> the immediate thing put out exactly. that fire yeah the immediate, prioritization the immediate mole before you knock that out <laughs> exactly. exactly so it's it's challenging for sure yeah i mean yeah i just find that I guess pharmacists, especially in a retail setting, I don't know if you guys have the same in the hospital setting. It just, we're being asked to do a lot more. And there's actually no time to have uh, like an in-depth conversations with patients anymore. Um, you know, corporations, are, they're trying to save monies, right? So they cut down on staff. And on top of that, we have so much distractions and, you know, you being pulled in every directions and, you expect to be able to handle all this attraction, uh, like distractions and not making error is pretty difficult, especially, you know, when you're working those like long shifts, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you're so tired and like, who knows? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like and you mentioned the 12 hour shifts. That's definitely draining, you know, 12 hours of any job is draining, but especially one that's like both physically and mentally demanding like pharmacy. I think that would be really hard. And we, do sometimes like in hospital too, we have uh, pharmacists who do have to work, work shift work, right? So, you know, all, all hours of the day. So um, that really uh, limits like the amount of sleep that you, you would get. And you, you guys know from previous podcasts that we do recommend at least seven hours of sleep at night. So when you don't get enough sleep, obviously it affects like your mood, your attention span and memory. And, you know, we, we need all of those for, for your job, right? The, all of those um, details are very crucial. So, and uh, we have 
our, our insomnia episode, which is episode 22. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, make sure you do. Did you just back to the, the distraction parts of being a pharmacist? Did you guys know that pharmacists have the most distractions of all the people in the healthcare industry? I could imagine that. There's a lot of things going on at the same time and different, like you said, we're being pulled in many different directions at the same time. So, and I don't think uh, like this is both a positive and a negative that pharmacists are very accessible. So unfortunately, that just means more distractions because you just have that access point for people to be able to ask you questions or, or bring problems to you or whatnot. Yeah, it's like, you know, the phone's constantly ringing, consultations to do, injections to do, doctors are calling you, you know, people slamming the doors and background music from being on, on hold with insurance and, you know, and having people chit-chatting conversations in the background. Yeah, It was like, true. it's just so much distractions. There's a yeah, lot of that's part of the... Yeah, that's part of the job, too, in terms of like the lack of control, um, kind of spinning up, up, on your fact of all of these distractions, just, just the nature of our job, right? There's really no control that we have over those factors, right? And then there's also things like scheduling or shift assignments um, or workload on top of that, that we can't control that just kind of contributes to all of that. And sometimes, too, like when the, I guess... I don't know, say you get unlucky and you're at a site where things aren't like the best organized or like management is not very good there, then sometimes you'll get high staff turnover too. So you're constantly training people and that itself is quite stressful. It adds a lot of um, time and you need to be really on the ball to make sure that you're supervising them and training them properly, but also making sure that they're able to independently perform those tasks yeah. uh, proficiently. So, And it takes time for new staff to become efficient at their jobs, right? So at the beginning, they're, they're obviously right. like slower and there's things that they may not know. So they might have to take a little bit more time to look things up or or go ask someone more experienced. So again, this just kind of all contributes to, to um, you know, burnout as well. So yeah, and I think um, we had talked about financial stress and student debt in, in our last two episodes about um, our two, last two episodes were about how to become a pharmacist and also pharmacy is right for you. So in a lot of healthcare professions and pharmacy is not um, um, not excluded from this, unfortunately, like the tuition is, is really expensive and uh, many graduates are actually in debt when they begin working, right? So then because they're in debt, they feel pressure to work more. Um, but that can actually lead to stress and potentially in the long run, if you work too much, you could uh, experience burnout. Yeah, we need to find like a, a, the right work and life balance. It's really hard. Um, we we aren't taught that in school, right? So actually in school, I think they kind of, uh, you kind of develop like opposite uh, skills of uh, make, like making school your priority and you're not really having any time for your personal life, right? So um, a, a lot of things that we're taught in healthcare and when we're going through school are actually not conducive to avoiding burnout. So we're, we're taught things like, you know, being a workaholic, like working as much as you can or, or like being a superhero because you feel like you must have all the answers, um, especially if you're like a, a doctor, right? People think that, oh, you know, you're, you're my doctor, you can, you can cure everything um, or you, you know the answers to everything. But you don't. And that's why we work as a multidisciplinary healthcare team, right? So you can refer people to the appropriate resources as necessary. 
Yeah. And then you're also taught, like, I, I think this is particularly true in pharmacy. You're taught to be a perfectionist because、um, many of us are like type A personalities、mm-hmm. and you can't stand the thought of like making a mistake. So, and you kind of hold the people around you to the same standards as well. Yeah. Well, do you know? Thing- yeah, go ahead, Valerie. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the only thing that I remember really、um, that our faculty stressed in a particular、uh, pharmacy management course was we had to. Do a book read of a book by、uh, Stephen Covey called、uh, The Seven Habits the of Seven Highly Habits. Effective People. The Seven Habits. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. I actually own so, that book. Oh, yes, exactly. So that was a really good book. I highly it recommend was, it、yeah. to, to it、uh, all of you listeners out there. One of the things that I really liked from that book in particular was that it talks about、uh, the three stages. I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me, but there's.、Um, Different stages of dependence. So you have to learn、okay. to be self sufficient first, so independence, but then you also want to be、um, interdependent as well.、Um, so that is part of the thing that is not really, I guess, translating that in the real world. <laughs> It's not always possible just because of the nature, again, of our tasks and of our jobs. But、um, that's why you just kind of. Hope that you get paired with a lot of good staff members <laughs> mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it easier.、Definitely. Otherwise,、like、it really wears you down、helps. very fast. Yeah. And especially, you know, like if you're in the pharmacy world, like, like multitasking is, is a huge thing. Like you need to know how to, you know, be pulled in all just different t y p e of directions. And I saw an article in the Pharmacy Times on this topic as well. And according to a study by the University of California, Did you guys know that it takes like an average worker s about 25 minutes to return to an original task after being distracted? Wow, that's quite a long time, hey? Half an hour. I know.、Basically. It's like in, it seems in too a, long. Yeah, it's too long. Especially But, if,、so uh, if, well, especially if you like, you know, you don't remember where you left off and then you have to start from the very beginning. Yeah. Very inefficient there. Yeah. So, I mean, and then if you have to like multitask and that's require you to like, you know, switch off your brain and focusing on something else, and that could potentially lead to, you know, dispensing errors. I saw a study in England that actually revealed、um, like task switching and pharmacies can, can actually lead to dispensing errors, which is not,、uh, not surprising, but that can affect obviously both the pharmacists and the patients. We pharmacists are honestly being asked to do. Too much and more and more with fewer staff. Like the, the resources isn't catching up with the workload here. I agree. But yeah, back to the term um, burnout, um, I wanted to tell you guys about、uh, how it was actually first coined because you guys know I love、uh, going back to like、uh, fun facts and history. So it actually was coined in 1974. So it's been quite some time. And it was coined by Herbert、uh, Freudenberger. And in 2019, the World Health Organization actually did include it in the International Classification of Diseases Handbook. And in this ICD handbook, the burnout is described as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. But do you guys know, like, what, what's the difference between burnout and, you know, just stress in general? Well, we all experience stress from time to time. And when you're suffering from a burnout, I feel that it is more than just being tired. Uh, overwork,、um, overwhelm at work. We, you know, we get fatigued,、uh, we face high pressures at work, you know, pretty much all the time. But, you know, this 
all these things can be resolved with working fewer hours or taking extended vacations. But when it comes to burnout, like it cannot be solved by this. Like you, you cannot work less or take a vacation. It's kind of like take a deep sense of hopelessness and disillusionment from you. That sounds really depressing. <laughs> hopelessness <laughs> and disillusionment. So on that point, though, you're absolutely correct about that. So you might notice things like moodiness or impatience, becoming short-tempered, a loss of a motivation, reduced interest in commitments, inability to meet obligations, a withdrawal from coworkers and social commitments, increased susceptibility to illness, foggy thinking, and trouble concentrating. So those just list a few of the symptoms, but I think you kind of get the idea. It sounds like depression to me. Don't you guys agree? It's <laughs> it has overlapping symptoms for sure. It's, it does, isn't it? But, you know, according to the World Health Organization, this is not considered a medical condition. Yeah, as, as healthcare professionals, we understand that stress is a normal part of the job in many work environments. But like all things, right, if there is too much stress, it is just too severe or persists too long, then it can lead to burnout if it lasts for a long enough timeline. And over the span of, you know, a year, five or 10 years, you're going to create a burnout pharmacist in, in that stressful environment. I think that's about right. Yeah. And now that we know what burnout is, we should talk about why it's important. I think it goes without saying that if you're experiencing burnout and some of those symptoms that Valerie just mentioned, that it will lead to poor job performances. And I did see a meta-analysis that found a consistent relationship between burnout and safety of patients and the quality of healthcare. I mean, that's not surprising. When you're tired, you're exhausted, you're emotionally spent, your work is going to suffer. Get this. There was a survey of over 6,000 doctors, and they found a significantly higher rate of medical errors among those doctors who reported burnout symptoms. Mm. That is scary. But uh, not surprising, to say the least. It's a very demanding profession being a, a doctor. I wanted to also mention, too, the Canadian Medical Protective Association found that medical legal issues and complaints made to colleges and hospitals by patients has increased by more than 20% over the last five years. And obviously, burnt out physicians will contribute to that because they are more likely to take shortcuts, you know, mistelling patients, vital information, or make errors. And they also found that patients of burnt out physicians tend to be less compliant with treatment plans. And then so as a result of that, they actually take longer to recover. Again, I, I don't find that too shocking. But then I started to wonder how many healthcare professionals do actually have burnout symptoms? Right. So looking into this a little bit, according to the Canadian Medical Association, National Physician Health Survey, about 30% of physicians and residents report high levels of burnout. So that's with medical residents, women, and early career physicians at the greatest risk. That's one out of every three Canadian doctor. That's staggeringly high. I agree. That's really high. Mm -hmm. And I found a survey that was administered by the American Society of Health System Pharmacists that found that over half, actually, so 53% to be exact, of pharmacists reported burnout symptoms. And I'm sure we could find similar numbers for other healthcare professionals out there. And there is a lot of burnout in general, and it's not just limited to healthcare. 
And surveys show that more than 60% of people not showing up to work or calling in sick to work is actually due to psychological stress and stress-related burnout. There was actually a survey in 2018 where 40% of employees said that they were considering quitting because of burnout. That's quite high. I guess like I'll count myself lucky because I'm not one of those 40% that is considering quitting because of burnout. <laughs> me either. Um, not quitting quite yet. Oh, I would like to maybe not, retire early or reduce my hours, but you know, <laughs> not quit altogether. Yeah, that is um, my, that would be a nice goal to have too for, it's kind of what I want to do as well, but we'll see. We were actually joking a little earlier about how Cecilia and I are um, one of the regulars at our workplace to jump to the opportunity yes. of but getting overtime. But we have overtime, many, so. hey, Valerie? We have a, there's yeah, a whole queue of people. Yeah. So there's always a desperate fight for pharmacists where yeah. we work. <laughs> we right like on. money. <laughs> right on. <laughs> there must be some aspects of our job that we still really like to be able to still muster up some passion for overtime. Don't you think? That's true. And you <laughs> so guys know. It must probably not stressful enough for you guys, maybe. Yeah, not maybe. at this point in time. Yeah, you're I think right. There's, uh, there's like ebbs and flows, right? There's like uh, ebbs and periods flows. of stress, and then there's uh, periods where you're not so stressed. So, kind of all makes up for it. You're not always constantly stressed, so that's a bonus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you guys know I like to talk about money. So, I wanted to throw out this fact for you. Uh, experts estimate that burnout translates into a loss of about 150 to $350 billion annually for U.S. businesses. Ooh, thank you for that fact. That actually leads me to my next point of discussion, actually. So I I think right now burnout is ever the more important to talk about because of COVID. And I saw an article a few months ago that really struck a chord with me because it said that half of healthcare workers are experiencing burnout right now amidst COVID. And at this current state in time, that percentage probably has increased quite a bit with the fourth wave that we're facing. And this article in particular mentioned that over 20,000 physicians and other healthcare workers were surveyed across the United States, and 61% felt high fear of exposing themselves or their families to COVID. And 43% of healthcare workers were suffering from work overload, and 49% of healthcare workers had burnouts. That's like one of two there. Exactly. Very scary facts. Definitely makes sense in terms of the high percentage of burnout, though. There's a lot of strain on the healthcare system, actually, from COVID. So, for example, in Alberta, the ICU already reached its capacity pretty much. We, we actually had to close a lot of beds and things so that we can increase our COVID um, ICU capacity. So we're running low on resources and staff as well that are required to care for these ICU patients. Also, staff are being redeployed to critical care units and into acute care units. So there's a lot of uncertainties and unknowns. Will we have enough resources for today or for tomorrow? At what point do we start triaging which patients will get the resources first? That's a scary discussion. But, you know, with the fourth wave trajectory, we're, we might have to head into that direction. And not to mention, you know, informations about COVID changes daily. One day you say something to the public and then another day it's like contradict what you say, so you kind of look stupid. <laughs> and then the public expect that, you know, that pharmacists, as healthcare professional, we get the COVID updates right away, right? And we have all this answer. And But sometimes you find yourself like finding this information the same time as the general public does. And, you know, you scramble to get more information that's reliable, but, you know, like... 
it's hard to, you know, to find reliable information in advance just so that we can prepare ourselves to answer those questions. You know, for example, like the COVID vaccine and the the information about booster doses now, all this time, like in the past, I've been saying you probably don't need a booster dose. Now that's not true anymore. Exactly. It's really hard because, uh, like you said, the information, you find out the information sometimes after the patients find out about it, right? So then you're, you do look kind of stupid because you're just struggling to, to find out what's true and what's not. And there's also a lot of demand for more responsibilities during COVID for a community pharmacist to like provide the COVID vaccine. But unfortunately, there hasn't been the equivalent amount of staffing to account for these additional responsibilities. Yeah, that's, that's a huge problem in the retail setting. Exactly. And I think there's also burnout amongst healthcare professionals because we're facing lots of sources of misinformation that the public can get access to, right? So, I I mean, this could be a whole topic on its own, but if you haven't yet gotten your COVID vaccines, please make sure you do so. We're we're seeing so um, many patients in hospitals and in the ICU and, and they're high numbers because they're unvaccinated. And just to be clear, being vaccinated doesn't make you invincible from getting COVID. That's our that's our argument that I hear from a lot of people. But you know, if you do get it, it's more likely to be a milder case, and hopefully, you won't end up in the hospital or in the ICU. I think that's a really important call out there because uh, a lot of the patients, a lot of people who actually aren't vaccinated yet, they have that mindset of, well, if I might be able to get infected with COVID anyways, even after the vaccine, then why should I bother getting it at all? So um, it's important to, to reiterate that, you know, the studies show that if you get this vac- these vaccines, it would translate to more likely milder case and reduce hospitalizations and stuff. So if we can get that um, immunity from that herd immunity, then we wouldn't have the virus replicating so fast that it actually produces all these variants that are of, you know, different concern levels, right? So it's really frustrating. But anyways, we're all facing the pandemic fatigue. Uh, We all want this to be over. We want to get back to some semblance of normalcy, however that might look in, in the future when all of this is settled. So everyone, please do your part. Exactly. And there's also been some staffing shortages as well. If like healthcare workers have to quarantine because they're ill and they're waiting for the test results or, or if they actually do contract COVID. And there's not always someone to find for coverage. So you might end up just working with minimal or like a skeleton staff and, and prioritizing what needs to be done. And not to mention that the government regulations and recommendations change frequently too. There, there was a period of time when masking was not required for indoor spacings. And you know, for community pharmacists, it was stressful when you see patients approaching the counters and not wearing a mask. You, you know, I don't even know where they have been or what symptoms they have. Well, do the pharmacy screen them when they actually get like inside the pharmacy? Like by screening? Like, or do you mean like, you know, we put a sign at the front door saying stop, like, don't come in if you have the following symptoms. Well, yeah, that would, that would help. I don't yeah. know if people will read that. That's true. They just kind of enter, right? Because I see a lot of businesses where uh, before indoor masking came back, signs would have, uh, there would be signs on the door of stores that would say masking is required, but people would just, you know, open the door and barge, barge on in. But but when they get to the pharmacy, do you like go through a screening form with them and ask them, you know, if they've been out of the country, do they have any symptoms, et cetera? 
listen, we have no time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess like, by that point, they're already Doing inside. that, you're going to get a lot of angry patients. They'll be like, none of your business. Why are you asking me this? Yeah, <laughs> and then they'll spit in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no one cares to really enforce that. And even the greeter, like, they, they can't even enforce that either, right? Because sometimes the, the, the patients get quite angry when you ask about uh, this, uh, these same questions everywhere. Yeah, I think I remember seeing a story. Um, one of the greeter at Walmart, he got pepper sprayed because Where? Oh my he gosh. was asking the guy, like, to wear his mask and he cannot come in. In Canada? So, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so now it's like, is he okay? Don't want to put themselves in home ways, right? For sure. Well, you don't get paid okay enough. You don't get paid enough to do that. So, yeah. Oh so, gosh. everyone, like, even outside the, you know, the healthcare industry, like, especially those like cashiers and stuff, I'm sure they also feel like the need to burn out as well. Yeah. And it's not, it's definitely not fair to them. You know, actually, because we're talking about this subject about, you know, mask enforcement for greeters, this kind of reminds me of something that Arnold Schwarzenegger said um, in August of, of this year about the uh, pandemic and how there were anti-maskers. And he just made a comment. I wanted to read it out to you guys. Um, I was going to read it out in his accent, but then um, oh my when gosh, I was please trying do. to. Oh. Uh, no, the only thing I can say is I'll be back. <laughs> but uh, no, you don't want to hear the rest of it because the, the the more the longer I read it, the the more ridiculous I sounded. So, to preserve the dignity of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm just going to read it in my regular voice okay. <laughs> and my own dignity, I suppose. So he says, "I think people should know there is a virus here. It kills people." He said, "And the only way we prevent it is if we get vaccinated. We wear masks. We do social distancing. Washing your hands." all of the time and not just to think about well my freedom is kind of disturbed here no <laughs> screw your freedom because with freedom comes obligations and responsibilities so you can imagine he got into big trouble for saying that part about no screw your freedom right, right? lots of people are very like oh my gosh you're infringing on my constitutional exactly. rights it's my choice if i want to wear a mask or not you can't say that so then he actually uh, continuing on that thought, he gave that uh, analogy of, you know, well, we put traffic lights at the intersection so that uh, when it turns red, you don't pass. You don't say, oh, it's red light. I think I'm going to go because it's my freedom. No, when you do that, you kill people. <laughs> exactly. Right? So he's saying that it's the same thing with the virus. And you can't go on and put a. You can't. You cannot go on and not put the mask on because when you breathe, you can infect someone else. So these are actually direct quote from him and you can infect someone that then gets sick and may die. So this is why I think we all have to work together on this. We have to come together rather than fighting and always just saying, according to my principles, this is a free country and I have the freedom to wear a mask. Yeah. You have the freedom to wear no mask, but you know something you're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. So long story short in this whole um, digression is that we need more Arnold Schwarzeneggers to be Walmart greeters. And we need to call oh, okay. these like people yeah. who come in with no mask and gives you attitude. We just need to call them schmucks. Put on your mask. I think it would I also help if... pay enough, though. Well, I think it would also <laughs> well, help if they look like him, so... <laughs> no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You need the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, big yeah. people that command yeah. your attention. Intimidating. Rough you, you know. up. Exactly. You know, they just have to talk in their deep voice and then people are scared. 
Exactly. (laughs) When you are doing things that is putting other in harm's way, right? Like, I don't think freedom... Exactly. Like, totally like we don't exactly like this. This, yeah. yeah, yeah. I totally agree with him it's because like, it's like it's not like we enjoy wearing a mask and like uh, limiting our social interactions, right? But we do it because we know that's what's good for society, and this is a pandemic, and this is our responsibility. We don't want to go around and spread disease if there's preventable. You can make ways the to argument it. too that you know that if you if you don't wear a mask, then you're infringing on my freedom because I have a freedom to safety. And yeah. to walk and outside, health. not thinking yeah. that I'm going to get infected. Contract disease, exactly. That's it's right. Like having a murderer walking around, it's like you're killing people, <laughs> but just like, you know, yes. you're killing people, but it just not, you know, maybe you don't think is intentional, but, right. you know. Yeah. You don't see the direct consequences of your actions, but they're, they're there. Exactly. And they can be quite Schmucks. So harmful. Schmucks. I like it. Schmucks. <laughs> yeah. So. Schmucks. I think I think to me, like, uh, after all of this talk, it seems like in healthcare, anyways, like, burnout is an inevitable thing. And we need to plan for it if we want to remain in the professions successfully long term. And I saw uh, Dr. Daika Drummond, he, he's a doctor who's, a, who's also an author, speaker, and consultant on the subject of physician burnout. He came out with a metaphor about burnout that I really liked. So just wanted to take this opportunity to share it with you guys. He explains burnout like an energy account, which is similar to a bank account. And I know that uh, we'll, we'll all like this analogy because we all like money. So it can have uh, this energy account can have like a positive or negative balance, just like just like a bank account. And you can withdraw energy for the activities of your life and also your healthcare job. But you can also deposit energy when you make sure to take that time to rest and recharge or rebalance yourself. Oh, so if you are in a negative balance for a continually long time, that would lead to burnout. So I think this makes sense, actually. You can still function, but you aren't the best healthcare practitioner that you could be. That's right. And there's three types of accounts that he talks about. So there's physical energy, and you make deposits there by taking care of your physical body with exercise, nutrition, and rest. Is the second account the emotional energy account? That's right. Okay. I mean, to me, I think that means making deposits by maintaining healthy relationships with the people in your life, like, you know, spending more time with your family and your friends. Definitely important. And finally, last but not least, we have the spiritual energy account. And you can make deposits here by connecting with your personal sense of uh, purpose. So essentially, what you're saying is that having a reason to carry on. Yeah. And Dr. Drummond has a mantra. He says, you can't give what you ain't got. So true. It is mm-hmm. so true. We got to make sure that we keep our energy accounts in a positive balance. So do you guys actually have some tips on how to prevent burnout? To me, I think I'm almost there. And I hope that all listeners, if you are, you know, if you're in that situation that you don't succumb and blindly accept that this is ultimately your your fate, that you're stuck in this job. I feel that, you know, if you feel that way, just it's important to break free from your burnout job and you have to know when to call it quit. Um, so as much as it is hard to do it, and a lot of people, especially myself, we think that is, um, you know, our fault because we cannot handle the, the pressure um, well, I, you know, don't think it that way. 
you know, sometimes there are days when I feel bad for, you know, quitting and for uh, potentially abandoning the, the team that works along with me, right? But you have to, you know, think that it is sometimes okay to be selfish and put yourself first. And if you are going, you know, to in if you are in the same boat as me, my tips is that it's time that you put yourself first. And if the boat that you're on is sinking, don't stay on the boat. It's You have to grab a life jacket and get off. You're not doing yourself a favor or your patients a favor. If anything, I think if, you know, if you continue doing a job when you are burning out, then you can actually put them in harm, in, in harm ways. That's so true. And I That's think a lot my, of <laughs> no, wait, it's good. Remember, venting is a way of uh, dealing with burnout. So we, we appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, I have a tip because I was talking about vacation and how I was reaching burnout, or I was actually probably in the midst of burnout because I didn't have a vacation. So make sure you take your vacations. You know, even during COVID, if you can't go anywhere, which is the case for most of us right now, even if it's just a staycation, I've actually really grown to enjoy my staycation because I find them quite relaxing and it's better than not taking a vacation at all and before your current vacation ends make sure you actually have your next vacation booked off already because some people actually fall into a trap of not booking their next vacation until it's far too late and then they end up not being able to book the time off that they want and then they have to work for long stretches of time without any time off so uh Obviously, all all work and no no play. That's that's not good. So just make sure you have your next vacation booked around the corner, so you always have something to look forward to. Yeah, what was that saying? All all work and no play I makes think, uh, Tom a very uh, dull boy. Or who, I think what so. name something was it like that? that used? But I thought it was supposed to rhyme. <laughs> that doesn't rhyme. Well, well, y'all know now that this is not our this is not our forte. These idioms. So, <laughs> anyways. Um, another point, another tip. So this is kind of like all along the same, um, same uh, genre or same flavor is take time for yourself and seek help if you need it. You can reach out to your employers to see what options are available because uh, some workplaces, they do have resources already set up and just waiting for you to reach out. And so those resources could include things like counseling or mental health programs already uh, established. So self-care is very important. So they say that you need to build up that physical uh, bank account, right? So the rest, exercise, eating well, sleeping adequately, avoid negative coping strategies, such as excessive intake of caffeine, sugar, alcohol, or drugs. I know, you know, with those uh, junk food um, and sugar chips and stuff like that, it's very tempting to go that route. But um, sometimes what we put into our body is what we get out. You put crap into your body, you feel like crap. That's yeah, a but, very good uh, you know, saying. Yeah, I looked it up. It's but all, caffeine you're right. makes me work better. Oh, yeah, that's true. Or what did you look up? Uh, I'll I'll work and no play makes Jack a very dull boy. I guess it's not a rhyme. <laughs> so okay. you're correct. I didn't know it was yes. Jack. I said Tom. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Jack, Tom, <laughs> Valerie, and Cecilia. All good. I guess yeah. we're not boys. Wait a second. <laughs> It can be girl. You know, you know what else could help? Like if, you know, it's good that you should try to have like some breaks in between your shift, especially if you're pulling an eight to 12 hour longs, um, a five minute debrief or just like a break to have a quick snack or just take a, a walk out to the washroom, for example, can can make a difference when you come back um, to the environment. 
I definitely agree with that. And I think uh, one uh, thing that uh, some people can keep in mind as well is uh, making sure you build positive experiences and don't just look at the negative experiences. So uh, there can be some, you know, little things that uh, just make your day. So, you know, during the course of the day, make it a goal to like, you know, try to laugh at least once or, or at the end of the day, maybe like text a friend and tell them one positive thing that happened that day. And just be mindful of uh, negative thoughts that can accumulate during your shift and, and do your best to catch them so that you're you're, you're not uh, sitting in this negative cloud all day. Do you guys have any more tips? Yeah, yeah for that energy account that uh, you guys were talking about too, the, there's that transitioning from home to work, right? That can help process that can help with processing the day. So different people deal with stress of work differently, of course. So um, like we were kind of encouraging Anne to do, I think it was great that she actually came out and vented to us. So like venting to your family and friends to let it all out will make you feel better. Um, you know, but other people just try to um, internalize that information themselves and turn it to like other like positive energy, right? So that's okay too. They like to prefer to keep um, the work to themselves and separate home from work. And again, if, if it doesn't change, I say quit. Life is too short. Yep, gotta be happy. <laughs> And I think uh, one one and last tip that I saw was, um, I, I think this kind of sounds a little bit in counterintuitive, but you can also um, reach out for opportunities to train students and maybe new clinicians because, uh, you know, if you're kind of getting to a point where you don't feel like your work is meaningful, um, if you see, you know, if you get that chance to see someone learn something and be genuinely excited and interested about something that, you know, you just consider part of your work duties now that can give you a new perspective in your career and can kind of provide that uh, that meaning and purpose to your job again I definitely agree with that um, as uh, we all you know we're involved with precepting to um, some to different extents before it it also is good too because then you learn about um, in a way it keeps you honest in terms of keeping up with your skills, or sometimes the students, they keep you abreast with the new guidelines too, um, things that uh, were outdated at the time that you learned them. So uh, those were all very useful tips. And remember, Einstein's definition of insanity was doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result. So um, if whatever you are doing isn't really working for you and you're still burnt out, then try something different. So talk to someone or go to your manager or HR, get some professional help, uh, take a well-deserved break, do whatever you need to do to become refreshed again and be ready to give 100% of yourself to your patients again. And you might not need to do more things, but just different things. Yeah, let's wrap it up. So I've got a bottom line for you guys. So burnout consists of three components. So there's emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, which is indifference or emotional distance, and a diminished sense of professional achievement. The Maslach Burnout Inventory Manual defines burnout as a psychological syndrome of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment. Burnout was already common pre-COVID, but now it's rampant amongst healthcare professionals. And this can lead to many negative consequences like increased errors, decreased job satisfaction, decreased productivity, lower patient satisfaction, and lower quality of patient care. There's a number of reasons for burnout, especially during COVID, so some of which might include increased workload, inadequate staffing, long hours, constantly changing information, lack of scientific knowledge uptake from the public, disagreement with government regulations, the list goes on and on. If you're experiencing symptoms of burnout, then please seek the help that you need. 
And But first of all, how do you know if you're experiencing burnout? So um, have you become cynical or critical at work? Do you drag yourself to work and have trouble getting started? Have you become irritable or impatient with coworkers, customers, or clients? Do you lack the energy to be consistently productive? Do you find it hard to concentrate? Do you lack satisfaction from your achievements? Do you feel disillusioned about your job? Are you using food, drugs, or alcohol to feel better or to simply not feel? Have your sleep habits changed? Are you troubled by unexplained headaches, stomach or bowel problems, or other physical complaints? If you answered yes to any of those questions above, then you may be experiencing job burnout. Seek the help that you need, whether that's simply just talking to another person about your experiences, taking a vacation, or a leave of absence from work, working less hours, or engaging in self-care such as exercising or sleeping more. Take whatever you need. Remember, you can't give what you don't have. Because as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, you want to be back, right? So I'll be back. Uh, If you liked what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to us and follow us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at It Is Better To Know. We're also on Twitter at Better To Know Pod. Please like, share, and subscribe as they are all helpful in helping us spread the word about our podcast. So please come back and listen to our next episode next month. And if you have any ideas about our future topics we you would like us to cover, just send us a DM. Bye for now, buddy. Are you new to the It Is Better To Know podcast? If so, we want to thank you for listening. We would love to get your feedback to help us get better. Please leave us a quick rating on your favorite app, or even better, leave a review and let everyone know what you think of this show. Curious Music is performed by Bonsai Memo, written by Andrew Southwell and Jimmy Harry. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and should not be taken as medical advice. As every individual is unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. You got me.